you have your copy of Scripture today, we are in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 this morning, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10 of Acts chapter 16. Actually, 1 through 15, my apologies, of Acts chapter 16. The book of Acts is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version this morning from Acts chapter 16. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish man, a woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took with him, or took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way throughout the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse 11. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come there, or had come together, and One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Our focus this morning is going to be on verses 11 through 15. I read the previous verses because we'll be making some references back to those verses this week, which we talked about last week. Entitled this message, The Lord Opened Lydia's Heart. If you notice there in the passage of Scripture, we read that the Lord opened her heart. It's very interesting language as we'll see um, when we get into the message this morning. I'm certain that throughout the annals of history, Europe will be remembered for many 
things. And I am certain that Philippi will be remembered as the conquered city of Philip II of Macedon in 356 BC, who renamed the city from its original name to Philippi. It will also be remembered in history as a classic uh, place where Octavius met up with Brutus Cassius in a bloody battle of which the partisans of the Republic would be victorious. However, when the records of human history are done and they are written, Philippi will be remembered as a place where the Apostle Paul heralded the cross of Christ and Europe first heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was here at Philippi that a woman's heart would be of utmost importance. It was here that the Lord would open the heart of Lydia. It is interesting that we read that the Lord opened her heart throughout the scripture and definitely throughout the book of Acts. We have seen this is how the Lord works. We have clearly seen that the Lord has grace on whomever he chooses to have grace upon. And in this case, he opens the heart of Lydia to give her an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we said last week, Paul had the vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come and help us. And the greatest help that we can bring is to preach the gospel with the understanding that our call is to be obedient to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can't think for an instant that God's ultimate redemptive plan is somehow dependent on you and I because it's not. But he does ask for our obedience. He does require our obedience. So let's get into this passage of scripture this morning. And in fact, the first thing that we will see in this passage of scripture is immediate obedience to the Lord's call. Immediate obedience to the Lord's call. I know we touched on this last week, but I want us to notice again though the obedience to follow the call. Look at verse 11. It says, So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis. It starts off with that word so. Some of your Bibles may uh, have the word therefore. And as I was always taught, when you see the word therefore, you must ask, what is it there for? And in this case, it is a reference back to the previous verses. And so because Paul had seen the vision of the Macedonian man crying, come help us. And because they came together to discern what that meant. And because they concluded that God had called them to preach the gospel to the people of Macedonia. Verse 11 says... That they, because of all those things, that they set sail for Troas. In other words, immediately after concluding that, that they were to go and preach the gospel, immediately afterwards, they became obedient. They didn't wait around. They didn't try to figure it out. They said, this is what we're supposed to do, and they were obedient. You know, church, as Christians, I think we're often guilty of waiting or trying to figure something out. Or trying to make certain that we have all of our bases covered when the Lord tells us to go. Instead of being immediately obedient, we do all kinds of other things, trying to figure things out. Let me tell you something that is really cool about this trip as they set sail 
for Troas to do the Lord's work, to be obedient to the Lord. To me, it's, it's really kind of mind-blowing as I, as I read through this. Because I, I believe that God has a timeline. And He will do what He wants. And He will accomplish what He wants when He wants to accomplish it. So let's look closely at verse 11. It says, and the, in the beginning of verse 12, actually, it says, they set sail for Troas. And it says they had a direct voyage to Samothrace. That was day one. The next day, they were in Neapolis and from there to Philippi. So from Troas to Philippi, which was around a 125-mile journey, depending on what you look at, could have been up to 152 miles. It took them two days by boat. You say, well, big deal. So what? It took them two days. Well, I think it's kind of a big deal because if we look at Acts chapter 20, which we'll get to eventually, but Acts chapter 20, verse 6, we read, but we sailed away from Philippi, so they're leaving Philippi, and after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days, we came to them at Troas. So it took them five days to sail from Philippi to Troas, where we stayed for seven days. So it took them two days to sail there, and five days to sail back. And this tells us the wind was favorable for the trip to Philippi. Here's, here's what I want us to understand. As we are obedient to the Lord's call, He moves in His timeline. In this case, He had an appointment for Paul to make. He had an appointment that Paul and his companions were supposed to make. And even though they didn't know what the appointment was, when they set sail, they had no idea what the Lord was going to do or where he was going to bring them. They had no idea that, uh, that the Lord was going to bring them to, to Lydia. The Lord had set the appointment to the point that he was willing to use the wind to make the boat sail faster so that they would be there ready to share the gospel when they were supposed to be there. This is how the Lord works. By his providence, he had Paul and his companions have favorable winds to make a trip in such a short amount of time because he had a divine appointment for them. And the question for us is simply this. Will we be obedient? Will we be obedient? Here's why I can't help but wonder sometimes, church, what if every pastor that had received a call from the Lord actually surrendered? What if every believer that God has called to surrender their life to missions actually said, yes, I will go? What if every single layperson in the church who has been urged time and time again by the Spirit of God to give more to support the gospel of Jesus Christ went ahead and gave more? What if every church forgot about being extravagant, forgot about comfort, forgot about programs, and instead concentrated on reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ as he has taught us to do? What if more Pauls were reached because Christians were doing their duty? What if thousands who have been urged Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to share the gospel, what if they actually did it? Would the world be reached for Christ? Church, God honors obedience. 
Now's not the time for us to sit back and try to figure things out and try to decide, well, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do as a church? What am I supposed to do as a believer? You know what you're supposed to do. What we're supposed to do is to share the gospel to the nations. That's what we're supposed to do. It's time for active obedience to the call, knowing God will honor it and people will be saved. Secondly, we see in this passage of Scripture, God's working through divine providence. God's working through divine providence. When we think of divine providence, it may sound preposterous to think that God is orchestrating and ordering events to affect the salvation of his people, but that is exactly what he's doing. And when we see this uh, right here in this passage of scripture dealing with Lydia, we first see it in bringing Paul to Philippi where Lydia is at. We do not know how long Lydia had been there. We do not know what brought her to Philippi. We do, what we do know is that there she is in Philippi, a businesswoman, a seller of purple. We also know this, that Paul did not originally want to go to Macedonia. He wanted to go to the Asia of his day and preach the gospel, but he was prevented from speaking there by the Spirit. And he says, fine, then I'll go to Bithynia and he says, and, and Paul starts on his journey there, but he's prevented from going by the Spirit. And as you will recall, last week Paul is in Troas and has a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come and help us. And there's a ship ready to take them to Philippi and God brings Paul to the spot where Lydia is at. And, and as we've already seen, the wind is favorable because God has a plan for Paul to meet Lydia at this time and at this place. However, let's think of Lydia. Because Lydia is not originally from Philippi. She was a seller of purple from Thyatira. And Thyatira was a city that was famous for its, its dyers. And there they made a special purple which was prized by the Romans of the day. Lydia is either a widow or had no husband. Seemingly she comes to Philippi across the sea. Why does she come at this time? Why does she come when Paul is there? Why does she come to Philippi at all? Why doesn't she go somewhere else like Athens or Corinth? Lydia may give many reasons as to why she goes to Philippi if we were to visit with her. But I submit to you, there's one profound reason that she is there at this time and in this place. She's there because God wants her there. And she is there because he has a surprise in store for Lydia. Lydia and Paul have to meet. Does not matter what their will is or their desire is because their will shall be moved by the divine providence of God and what he wants. And they will cross each other's path and Paul will preach the gospel to Lydia I doubt it ever even entered into Lydia's thought process that she would go to Philippi and there she would be told about Jesus. And I doubt that when Paul saw a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come and help us, that 
he thought instead he would meet a woman from Thyatira and that he would preach to a handful of women, women that were gathered by a stream. You see the point, church? Neither Paul nor Lydia had a clue what God was doing. But God knew it. God knows the end from the beginning. And there are times that he acts by divine providence to meet our deepest needs. Now let's see how God works. Remember that Paul was forbidden by the Spirit to go into Asia of his day. And if you remember, we said that this is modern day Turkey. Now Lydia, she's from Thyatira, which is Asia of Paul's day, which is modern day Turkey. This is how God works, church. Why couldn't Paul just have went to Asia and preached there? After all, it would have been a shorter trip. It would have been easier for Lydia just to stay in Asia and let Paul go there and preach to her there. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is for her to go to Philippi. We don't know why this is God's plan. But I know this, that we are not God. And God always knows what's best. And He, he always is arranging and orchestrating things in His way. And He had this meeting arranged between Lydia and Paul in Philippi. Have you ever given thought to your salvation? Have you ever thought about the circumstances surrounding it? Why were you born where you were born? Why do you have the parents that you had? Or why did God allow you to attend a certain church? Or why did someone share the gospel with you at a certain time? It is because God had a plan. God in his divine providence was orchestrating what he wanted to take place. Sometimes I wish we would pay more attention to what God is doing. Even if you are here this morning and you were to surrender your life to Christ this morning for the first time, it would be because God led you to this spot on this day and this morning to hear this sermon on this day from this pastor. And God would open your heart to hear the gospel, and you would surrender to him. There are no accidents with God. This should be a great encouragement to us as a church. Encourage us to preach the gospel because God's providence is always working. It's always at work with us while we work for our Lord. When we are working with God, who can be against us? We, we should proclaim the word of God knowing that we are doing his works and knowing that all things great and small, all people great and small will one day bow down at his feet. Knowing that he is everything. That he is the ruler of all things and his divine purpose will be accomplished. So take courage, church. Share the gospel because that's what we are called to do and that God is orchestrating by His divine plan what will take place. Thirdly, from this passage of Scripture, we see God's working in the life of Lydia. God's working in the life of Lydia. God has a purpose for Lydia, and that purpose is that she will be saved. However, Lydia was not saved against her will. No one is saved against their will. Instead, God makes us willing by His power and through His grace. And His grace does not violate our will, but it overcomes our will. No one is ever dragged into heaven. Just like no one is ever dragged to hell. 
but they go there with all their heart's desire. Whether it's heaven or whether it's hell. We go there with all of our heart's desire. Lydia is no different. By God's grace, she has been made willing. And one of the first things we notice her doing is keeping the Sabbath. Interesting enough, she's not uh, in her hometown, right? No one's going to know whether Lydia kept the Sabbath or not. But she still does it. You know, sometimes when we, when we go on vacation or we go on a trip, we don't, we don't attend church. We take a vacation from the Lord, so to speak. As if God's on vacation while we're on vacation. Not Lydia. She honored the Lord on the Lord's day. I'd urge you to do the same. We live in a day when observing the Lord's day is an afterthought. We allow many things to get in the way. And I just encourage you not to allow that to happen. However, let's also note that Lydia went to a place of worship. It wasn't a nice place. In fact, there's not even a building. They simply met on the bank of the river. Additionally, there were apparently no men present. And these ladies were gathered together for a prayer meeting. And Lydia gathers with them. And Lydia could have easily not attended. She could have easily said, well, I'm too tired from all my travels. But instead, she went and met with the other ladies. She didn't say, oh, I can just as easily uh, read a sermon at home or, or I can listen online or I can watch my favorite TV evangelist on, on this morning and I can meet with God out here in nature on my own. No, she wanted to be with God's people. No matter how few of them were there, she wanted to be with them. How often do we allow the small things of this world to keep us from gathering with the saints? How often is our focus on the wrong thing when going to the service? How often do we focus on the wrong motivation? How often do we focus on the building or the crowd or whether they're going to have something that's appealing to us or, or whether that church is going to be cool or hip or what are they going to have going on there? Trust me, I'm not cool or hip. But how often, that was supposed to be a joke, but, but how often is that our focus? Whether, what, Instead of focusing on whether that church is worshiping God in spirit and truth. That should be our focus. What is this? Is this church worshiping God in spirit and truth? Because all that other stuff is just peripheral stuff. What is this church doing? Are they worshiping the God of this universe in spirit and truth through His Son, Jesus Christ? You know, as we are at the marathon getting ready to run... They announced, and now it's time for the invocation. And as the guy came up to the speaker and he began to pray, Lord, we accept everybody of all faiths and rolls through all these faiths and begins to say, you know, the, talking about it doesn't matter whether you believe in God or not and all this in his prayer. I didn't stop and pray. You know Why? Because for me to stop and pray with him would have been an act of worship. And I am not going to worship a false God. That's an act of worship when I'm praying. I'm not going to pray with somebody praying to a false God. 
Our question should be, does this church glorify God through their worship of the one and only true God? How often is our focus on the wrong thing? Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. We should at the very least do what Lydia did and observe the Sabbath, Sabbath and meet with God's people. Finally, also notice that it says that Lydia heard them. She listened to what was being said. And we also can listen to what is being said. You know, it is disconcerting sometimes when people come to church just to be there and not learn or pay attention to what's being taught or said. Let me just say that, that we should pay attention to the message that we hear, that we should be applying it to our lives, that we should be processing what is being taught and what is being said from the pulpit. How can we expect any kind of blessing when we want to sleep in a pew or when our mind is on the, the game that's going to be going on afterwards or, or I wonder what I'm going to be eating for lunch today? I mean, do we really expect a blessing when our mind is everywhere else when our mind's not engaged on what is being taught if we want a blessing then we should pay attention to what the Lord is saying through the proclamation of his word and what's God saying to me and what is God trying to teach me fourthly let's see God's working in the life of Paul there is a saying I like it goes like this Know that salvation is totally dependent on God, but preach as if it all depends on you. The idea is, is that we are to seek after the lost, proclaiming the gospel to them while leaving the results up to God, knowing that God saves the soul. Notice that Paul goes to the spot where he thinks there should be a synagogue. It says he goes where he supposes people would be gathered to pray. He figures he will find people ready to hear the word of God. Honestly, this is probably a good practice to follow. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with speaking the gospel to those that may not necessarily want to hear it. However, I think we may find more success when we find those people where the Spirit of God has already been working in their life, there are people whose hearts are prepared by the Lord to receive the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think of even Cornelius. When Peter went to him, it would indicate that the Lord had prepared the heart of Cornelius to receive the word. And what I'm saying is that we should be, be on the lookout for those who are interested for those who indicate that they have a heart that's been prepared by God for the message of salvation. Again, this is why we should pay attention to people. This is why we need to see that, that God points out by his providence that people are ready to receive the truth. And when God grants us an opportunity, we need to speak the truth into their lives and leave the results up to him. Let's notice how Paul responds to these women at the river. He doesn't preach to them. Did you notice that? He got there. He found a few women. And what does it say? Scripture says, We sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. So Paul took a seat. 
took a seat there and simply began to talk with him. If Paul would have stood up and started preaching a sermon, that would have seemed out of place. Instead, he knew that talking with them was the right thing to do, and so that's what he did. He talked the gospel with them. The environment should dictate how we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, we should pay attention to, to our surroundings and who we're talking with. And don't be afraid to contextualize in order to help others understand the gospel. You don't have to have some sort of canned presentation. We don't approach everyone the same way with the same canned presentation. Pay attention to your surroundings. Pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to how you can steer the conversation towards the gospel. However, let's not miss the point that even though it's okay to contextualize, our subject matter is still the same. The subject's still the same. It's Christ. Christ met Paul on the way to Damascus and changed his heart. Christ was able to save when he is able to save Lydia and he is able to save today. We preach Christ. Christ who bled on the cross. Christ who brings men and women, boys and girls to him. Christ that cleanses with his blood. Christ who is in heaven. Christ who intercedes on the behalf of believers. It is Christ that we preach. It is Christ who Paul proclaimed. Whether he preached or whether he talked, the message was Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Because Paul was consumed with Christ. When given an opportunity, he was going to speak of Christ. When everyone else is standing around talking about the weather, nice weather we're having, isn't it? How's your crops doing today? Did you see the big game? Or whatever it might have been when everybody's talking about everything else. Paul is thinking, how can I bring Christ into this conversation? Paul could have spoken to Lydia about her profession. He could have said, hey, how do you make that fine purple anyway? He could have had a conversation with her about fire tire. He could have said, hey, you know, I was looking to go to that area. Any number of things could have captured his attention. He could have talked about his journeys and his plans and his life. And he could have never actually preached Christ. He could have told her all about the gospel and never truly spoke the gospel to her. He could have talked about church and said, you should see my church. And never mention the Savior. Unfortunately, many sermons today do much of the same. They leave Christ out of the sermon. But not Paul. Paul's focus was Christ. And I would say our focus should be on Christ. When we enter into conversation, we should be thinking about how am I going to steer this conversation towards Christ? How am I going to give testimony in the midst of this conversation about who Christ is and what Christ has done in my life. That's what we should be seeking to do in our conversations, especially in our conversations with those that do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So we have their immediate obedience. We have God's working through divine providence. We have God working through the life of Lydia. We have 
God working through the life of Paul. And finally, let's notice this. The Spirit of God at work. The Spirit of God at work. It is God's providential working through the Spirit that brings Paul and Lydia together. Lydia comes to the river bank. She's there to observe the Sabbath. And she loves to be in a place of worship. And Paul comes there because he loves to win souls. And he's going to a place where he believes people will be receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. However, if the Spirit of God's not there, then everything would have been for naught. Look at the last part of verse 14. It's where the title of this message comes from. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Church, the Lord can open the human heart. He alone opens the heart because he alone has the keys because he's the one who made the lock in the first place. We don't really know what the Lord used to open Lydia's heart on this day. Perhaps she was a widow. We don't know. Perhaps the Spirit used this to open her heart. How often have we seen where someone has lost their husband and they begin to think of eternity? Perhaps she'd lost a child and the Lord used that to open her heart. How often has a woman lost a child and in search for some sort of meaning, the Lord has used that circumstance to open the heart of that dear woman. Maybe she had a bad business deal and was at some moment at the end of her rope and the Lord used that to open her heart. Perhaps she wondered why she was so blessed in her business in the first place and her endeavors and the Lord used that to open her heart. We do not know what it was. We can't even really guess. We know that that these are things that sometimes open, the Lord uses to open people's hearts. But what we really do not know what happened or what the case was. But what we do know is that the Lord opened her heart. I do not know what the Lord did when he opened your heart. But what I do know is that if you're here this morning, And you would say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. What I do know is that he opened your heart in some way. And by his divine providence, he did so. And this is what he did with Lydia. However, it was done by God. God's the one that opened her heart. And so her heart was opened. It's specific In that passage of scripture, it tells us that it was open to pay attention to what Paul had to say. Have you ever listened to someone and you did not want to miss what they were saying? You just kind of were listening to them and you're like, I want to hear what they're saying. Sometimes I wish people would do that with me. But, you know, I picture Lydia listening. Have you ever... See someone, they turn their ear towards you. Ever see that? Or they do this? They don't want to miss anything. Some of us listen with both ears. It goes in one and it goes out the other. Man, 
That, that did die. My, I tried to use that joke with my wife, and I knew it was going to die. She warned me. She warned me. <laughs> it goes in one ear, and it goes out the other. Because we, we just, we don't really pay attention. Not Lydia. She's paying attention. Think about it. We can listen to a ball game for hours. We can listen to political speeches sometimes for a long time because we want to know what's being said. We can listen to people lecture on different things at great length because we want to know about that topic. We can go to plays and musicals and watch them and pay attention. And yet if a sermon is a little bit longer than we think it should be, then we get all up in arms. I can't believe that they preach five minutes longer than they usually preach. I teased today, I said, you gained an hour of sleep, I get to preach for an extra hour. <laughs> I won't do that, trust me. But sometimes we treat the sermon as something we kind of got to, we just got to endure through this sermon like we're being punished for something. I guess I'll go Sunday and get my Sunday punishment. Listen to that preacher preach. Lydia paid attention. She paid attention to the point that she began to desire what Paul was talking about. She wanted salvation. Folks, plain and simple, when we share the plan of salvation, people will either desire it or they won't desire it. And sometimes we waste a great deal of time trying to convince people of salvation, trying to convince them to desire it. And the Lord has not moved in their heart to the point of their being open, their heart being open to desire it in the first place. And we just keep trying to convince them. Sometimes it's best to realize where they are and move on until we find someone that desires salvation. I'm not saying that you never share with that person again. I'm saying know where they are and respond accordingly to where they're at. Not only was Lydia attentive to what was said, not only did she desire it, but she received salvation. She understood that Christ died for her, that He was her substitute, and she received Him. She believed what Paul said, that Jesus was the Son of God, and that He paid the price for her sin, that He rose again on the third day, and that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. She believed and was justified in the same way that if you are here this morning and you place your faith in Jesus Christ and believe, you will be justified. You will be made right to stand before a holy God in heaven one day. You too, if you believe, will have salvation instantly. When we trust Him and receive Him, we have everlasting life. Not only did she receive the Lord, but we see she was then obedient. She was baptized. Scripture is clear that we are to believe and be baptized. The great commission from the Lord is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That's what the scripture tells us. Perhaps Lydia said, why do, I, why do I need to be baptized? And perhaps Paul said, as a testimony of your belief in Jesus Christ, 
whom you now confess as your master and Lord. What is important is we don't see Lydia saying, well, the water's probably pretty cold right now, or let me think about whether I should be baptized or not, or I don't know for sure, or I'm afraid of the water. In fact, all throughout Scripture we see, and they believed and were baptized, they believed and were baptized, they believed and were baptized. But rather, she's baptized right away. But, but not only is she baptized, but her servants believe and are baptized. Her whole household believes and is baptized she was not ashamed to confess Christ as her savior she had only known him a few moments and she's already ready to confess him before every single person that she knows she declares that she's a follower of Christ and that her life was changed forever now one last thing here with the spirit of God at work and we'll be done the spirit of God is at work in the life of Lydia because we see Lydia's heart opened. She understands desires and receives the gospel. She's then baptized. And finally, she is faithful. She's faithful. She invites them to stay at her house. She probably knew that they had nowhere to go. They had nowhere to stay. And she invites them all to come and stay at her house. In fact, the scripture, interestingly enough, it says that she prevailed upon us. What that means is to use force or constraint. Now, I don't think that Lydia is like beating them up and stuff and dragging them to her house. In other words, I get that this is kind of the picture I get of Lydia saying, you're all going to stay at my place. I have room for all of you. And them saying, no, Lydia, that's not necessary. And her coming back with, no, this is, this is what I want to do. Remember, Lydia is a seller of fine linen. She's not poor. She's saying to them, I want to share with you my place. I want you to come and stay with me. I want to do this for you. She wanted to care for those that had cared so much for her. I picture her saying something like this. You believe, you believe that I place my faith in Jesus Christ and he is now my master. And if you really believe it, you will come and stay at my house and allow me to care for you and make you all as comfortable as I can. And finally, Paul gives in and goes to her home. And you know, I read that and I think, man, if only that spirit of generosity would be found in all believers today. Imagine if our attitude was always to show holy hospitality. And entertain other believers. Imagine if we always had an open door and we're inviting people into our home. Not just the pastor. Let me say, I, I appreciate hospitality that's showed to us so often. But imagine if we showed such hospitality, such generosity, such desire to bless all of God's children. To say, hey, come, come break bread with me. Come into my home. Let's hang out. Let's do stuff together. Imagine if that was our attitude. Imagine if we just loved one another and did good to one another as we had opportunity. Imagine if we invited each other into our 
homes. Can you imagine that? What that would look like? We just shared meals together. I've not been in many of your homes and I want you to know that I have an open door. You're welcome in my home whenever you want. Well, as long as I'm there. Don't just show up and like raid my fridge or something. But I read this and I, I think, I wonder if we should work a little harder at being more hospitable with each other. I wonder if we should just work a little harder like Lydia towards Paul and his command. I wonder if we should put a little more effort into it. You know, I was, I was at the uh, Illinois Baptist State Conference this last week. And uh, I had many conversations centered around this very idea of why it is in today's society Christians don't seem to be hospitable. We don't seem to just, we don't just invite people over anymore. We don't hang out, even go to restaurants and just hang out with each other anymore. Or if we do, it's always just a select little group of people and kind of not reaching outside of our own zone. And I wonder why that is. And then, you know, I was running my race yesterday. And you have a lot of uh, come to Jesus moments, so to speak, when your body hits the threshold and you're thinking, I might die out here. Okay, I didn't really think I was going to die, but I was hurting. Mile 25 was brutal. But you know, I had this thought. And here's the thought. If you want to Run fast. You run alone. If you want to run fast, you run alone. The people that finished the race in two hours and ten minutes, they weren't in a group of a bunch of people and encouraging one to, hey, man, you can do it. They ran alone. If you want to run long, you run together. If you want to run long, you run together. And as I was at mile 25 and people kept saying my name because I forgot my name was on my tag, I'm like, how do these people know my name? <laughs> and I'd be like, come on, Josh, you can do it. And as I would, I'd pass somebody and they would just encourage me as I'd pass them. And I, I kept people in my in my eye of who I wanted to stay with and, and try to stay with certain people. Because if you want to run long, you have to run together. In church, we are in this for the long haul. And if we want to, if we want to do this, we got to do it together. And we, we have to be more hospitable towards one another, more generous, more saying, hey, my door's open, come over anytime, inviting people, hey, come over and have a meal. You say, well, my house is messy. Well, you know what? Mine is too right now. That's right, you can still come over. Now, my wife might kill me later, but you're welcome. And so I just, I ask you this morning, 
Are you being obedient to the call of the Lord to go and share the gospel? Are you obedient to the call? Let's, let's bring this home. Are you being obedient to the call to share the gospel with those that have not heard, leaving the results up to the Lord, knowing that the Lord is working in your life, leading you to share the gospel, and that the Lord is providentially working in the lives of other people, leading them to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you being obedient? Because that's a call for you and I, right? Just to be obedient, knowing that God is working. Are you obedient? Or perhaps this morning, the Lord is working in your life, drawing you to Him. And this morning, you'd say, I need to surrender my life to Him. I, I don't know Jesus as my Savior, and, and He's been working in my heart and life. And today, finally, you need to surrender to Him. Or maybe, maybe you'd say, you know what? I need to be more like Lydia. I'm not very hospitable. I don't have others in my home. I don't spend time with others doing life together. In fact, I just kind of do it on my own. And you will run fast, but you won't run long. And I just want to encourage you. Maybe that's you this morning. And and you can do, you can deal with what the Lord's spoken to you and however you want to. You can do it in your pew. You can come up here and pray. You can ask me to pray with you. You can wait till afterwards and say, Pastor, I, I want to pray with you about something. I'm having this struggle. I'd, I'd love to talk with you. You could say even afterwards, hey, can we hang out? Whatever. Maybe the Lord's spoken to you this morning through His Spirit, brought conviction into your life? Would you take time to respond to that this morning? Would you be obedient? We're going to sing a song. I'm going to be standing down front. If you need to respond, I'll be willing to pray with you or, or lead you to know how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, I thank you